Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen and I am joined today by two great guests, my good friend Mason all the way from up in Buffalo and of course our friend Bradford. How are you doing Mason? How are things going up in, uh, well not the Great White North, but uh, almost. You know, any day now, you never know in Buffalo could be tomorrow for all we're aware of, but no, it's going pretty good. Ball season's right around the corner, so just yeah. can't wait for it, man. Yeah. How are you doing? You know, I'm I am I'm doing good. So I am yeah, yeah, excited to do a little bit of talking here and uh get into some preseason week two takeaways and talk about some fantasy players we're interested in. Should be a fun episode today. Bradford, how are you? Uh, I'm I'm doing all right. I I will say this is my first time interacting with Mason face to face. It is it is a pleasure to make your acquaintance. I will say you are the most Buffalo son of a bitch I have ever laid eyes on. Like you you do not have to you would you would not have needed the hat to communicate to me that you are a Bills fan. That that mustache lives up to the hype, uh, and 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 beyond it even. It is it is truly something glorious that that I think all the viewers need some form of visual component to the show to appreciate. Um, are, my, my question for you is, are you wearing shorts right now? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, it shouldn't have even been a question. I could have bet money on it. Like, I, tables tremble at the sight of you, my friend. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it, there's, a, there's a reputation to be lived up to in the area. <laughs> so if there's, if there's a, a folding table around, there's no way it lives through the day. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Absolutely. Folding tables beware of our good friend Mason. He will hop through you. That is just the the tone of uh, of Bills fans. So let's just get into it here. Preseason week two. I watched some YouTube highlights. I watched a few games. Honestly, not that exciting. A lot of starters did not play. Um, some starters did, including both of your quarterbacks. Both got some snaps in the preseason. That I found that to be especially in Kansas City's case, a little bit strange. But we preseason, week two, Bradford, why don't I start with you? What were some of your big takeaways? Okay, so I, I have a few thoughts. I'll start I'll start with my Chiefs because that was the game I obviously paid the most attention to. Uh, a lot to take away from that one. Um, my main th- – the thing that j- jumped out at me the most is not necessarily how good Patrick Mahomes is. I mean, he's good. Like, we don't need the preseason to realize that. He's winning the MVP this year. But uh, I – I, the commanders traded for Carson Wentz, and by golly, did they get Carson Wentz? I'm not even convinced he's the second best quarterback on that roster. To be completely honest with you, I thought, I, I it's hard to compare. I mean, obviously going against different levels of competition, but I thought even like Heineke for sure. But I thought even Howell looked slightly more comfortable uh, in, and I mean, as, as much as anyone ever could feel comfortable in 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 a commander's uniform. It's it was concerning seeing the same recklessness, the same poor decision making, the the same general lack of regard for his own human life, all there, all there on display. Not great to see. From from a Chiefs side, I was very very happy. I not happy that Mahomes was playing. I hate it when teams play like their established franchise quarterback in the preseason. Like the only thing that can come out of that is bad things. Like it's it's essentially a glorified 
like team on team practice right and you have team on team practices for that you don't need to risk your franchise uh on one of these completely meaningless games but i thought i thought obviously mahomes looked incredible this chiefs offense is going to be absolutely lethal uh justin watson looked like he was fitting right in there uh uh jody fortson once again, had another stellar preseason. I'm tired of getting hyped up about this guy. I want to actually see it in the regular season for once, but all looking good there. I mean, George Karlaftis, this is a defensive rookie of the year candidate. The guy is a machine out there just eating people up. Like, I'm, I'm feeling good about the Chiefs as a whole. I genuinely think you should, man. I mean, I didn't catch the whole game but I did catch some of the highlights and I mean, Patrick Mahomes already looks in mid season form and just kind of ready to go out there and start dicing up some defenses. I could say the same about your bills, man. Like it's we're, we're meeting up again. It's the AFC championship. Oh yeah. I I mean it for real. Last year, last year I said, whoever won that chiefs bills game was winning the super bowl. Now that did not come true to pass. I don't regret that statement. It was a very good statement at the time, but, uh, I think, and I, I genuinely believe if whatever mysterious uh, Monstars-esque Space Jam tragedy that be- befell the Chiefs in the AFC Championship didn't happen, I, I genuinely believe whatever team of the Chiefs and Bills, they, 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 they creamed the Rams in the Super Bowl with the way they played, right? Like, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I don't, it, it just, obviously it's the NFL and anything can happen, but I do not see how with the way our two franchises have evolved, how they're not just coming for a straight collision course at each other again. And I'm not so confident this time around. The, the bills. I, mean, I look, can tell you as a bills fan, like your team's the only team I care about at this point. I want to get I to feel the, playoffs, the same. And I want to take the chiefs and actually throttle them for a change. Absolutely. And I, I imagine I'm, that would be enjoyable I'm, from a bills fan I'm perspective. After with you, though, you, 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 you hate seeing your established starters out there. And that, that definitely was the vibe from bills fans. And uh, I think the only reason we did it, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, what the KC schedule looks like for preseason stuff like that. But yesterday was uh family day at mm. Highmark stadium. And so I think the big reason they put Josh on the field for just like the one drive and all the starters was literally just to be like, you know, it's the big day when everybody comes for the preseason game. Let's at least get them out there and show them, you know, who's coming this year. Because I can't think of any other reason you would have done that. No, even guys like Kenny Pickett are getting like one drive, which is another one of my, my takeaways. Kenny Pickett, like I, I'm not I'm not about to, to go on a ride or die Kenny Pickett hype train here. I don't think the guy has that high of a ceiling. And Eric has made his thoughts on him very clear. He is not a Kenny Pickett fan. Um I just was very impressed by what I saw from him. He had this one play. I'm I'm sure maybe you saw the highlights circling around somewhere if you didn't catch the game, where he's getting blitzed. The the blocker doesn't pick it up at all. And as it's coming down, he makes one of the most like intelligent with anticipation throws exactly where only the tight end would eventually be, throws just the right amount of sauce on it. Big completion of Fryer. That is insanely high-level quarterback play from a guy that's never played in the NFL. That is like that is the stuff that is the hardest to teach. I mean, it's true you can't teach Kenny Pickett to be tall or have remotely average hands, but that is very <laughs> promising. He's he's I I think I think I think Steelers fans have a reason to be slightly excited of what's going on there in a good old Yinzer town. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'll agree with you there. That anticipation isn't something that you get to just, you know, have available to you. There's tons of quarterbacks who never develop the ability to throw that ball before the dude hits his break. They just, they need to see it or it won't rip it. And so, I mean, like, at least he's got that going for him. We'll see how the rest pans out for him, but they got a loaded defense. So they don't need him to be like a whole world beater out there to actually keep that team afloat. It would not take an incredible amount of effort to be better than the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger. That was <laughs> tread out there. And what I can only imagine to be some, some weekend at Bernie's type of scheme. Um, just, just, that was just a dead man playing quarterback. And I do not think it would even be that hard for even Mitch Trubisky to be significantly worse than that. Like whether it's Trubisky or if Pickett takes it overnight, I do believe. Hey, sorry, can I, I got to pause this for a sec. Yeah. Yes, as we return very quickly from our from our brief break, the Steelers, uh, very interesting team. Yeah, I, I'm still a little bit iffy on Kenny Pickett. Again, he didn't do anything special this last week, so I am not so much a fan of what he did in, in a way that I think he'll be a meaningful contributor right off the bat, but he has had an okay preseason, but by statistical measures, uh, there's no question about that. Bradford. Sorry, I was I was moving. No, locations. it's all good. I, it's okay. That's on me. Living room from them. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Kenneth Pickett. Promising. I like I like the potential of a Pickett to Pickens connection. For years to come. I mean, the Steelers, they got away with it again. They can't keep getting away with it. They just keep they just keep churning out receiver after receiver. And it's Chase Claypool's got to face the reality that he might not even be a top three receiver on his own team, let alone the league. Like this, they just keep getting away with it. I mean, and, and hopefully for once they'll have somebody that isn't like a, a walking zombie to deliver the ball to the, the receivers. Yeah. Um so that's the the Steelers. I'll tell you who I was excited by. I liked the Jags. I liked the way they looked. I thought their defensive line looked fast as hell. I thought that Trevor Lawrence made some really good throws. I was just a fan of what the Jags did in general. I, I, I think that they are going to have a very good season this year. I'm not going to do anything crazy like call them a playoff team or anything, but I think they're going to have a very good season. And I, I, I was impressed by the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. Hey, man, they're in the AFC South. You have no idea. They might be a playoff team. I know uh, it's clown town down there, but take the Colts every time they come to town. So It's crazier things have happened. That AFC, I, I, I said this on the AFC South podcast. I believe that we could potentially, I think I'm too high on the Colts to really fully uh, follow this take to its fruition, but I, I believe that with the AFC South, we could potentially be looking at, at perhaps like a 2020 NFC East situation where it's essentially just a, like a seven or eight win team. Just, I guess it would be an eight win team now with like schedule inflation, just eight, uh, eight and one or seven and a half some garbage. Like that. I hate to add a game to the schedule. My brain can still not comprehend. There was something so nice and mathematically coherent about like, an eight and eight team. It's just a beautiful way to describe a team because even if you know nothing about the situation surrounding a team, something about an eight and eight team or a nine and seven team, it tells you everything you need to know about them, right? It just, it, it sums it up. There's something about like the, the extra game, like just 
absolutely messes me up. And it's, it's not symmetrical in any mathematical sense. It, it drives me crazy. But anyways, I, I do believe the AFC South there. The Jaguars, I think that they can very easily double their win total, which is not saying much at all. But it's it's very plausible. Trevor Lawrence, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of rehashing previous points I made. But Trevor Lawrence essentially now... He's going to be in a situation where he even has a chance to execute these basic concepts, which he showed the ability to do last season. He just usually never had time to do anything or guys that were remotely capable of receiving a football. Uh, and like some of those were his own struggles. Some of those were rookie struggles. And it is slightly concerning to me that he couldn't be that ultimate ceiling raiser year one. He'll still be a great quarterback, but it's just there's there's a certain quality that you can prescribe uh, to certain QBs where it's like they they make those kind of situations work, right? I'm not going to hold that against Trevor Lawrence, though, too much. He's a rookie. Maybe he's not the generational savior that was promised. But um, with the Jaguars, like, they got a coach that isn't out here kicking kickers, fondling co-eds, and God knows what else. I was going to say, I'll give him doing. a nice pass because at least maybe this year his coach isn't going to abandon the team on the ride home to go fondle a co-ed at his own farm. No, it's exactly. Doug, Doug Peterson is a good NFL coach. Right? I mean, this is, this is a Super Bowl really winning is. coach. This is a guy, not only did he get an MVP season out of Carson Wentz, he got a Super Bowl run out of a backup quarterback. This is a guy. I know, him and Nick Foles just missed each other in Jacksonville too. I mean, it it's true. It. It's true. I I think um, I think the Jaguars. You know, maybe they win a couple of those dumb close games. Maybe Trayvon Walker is something special. I I could maybe wrap my head around it. It probably will not happen, obviously. But you know, with the, with a good enough Colts Texans or uh, Colts, uh, the Texans are not going to be good. Uh, the, with a good enough. Um, Colts Titans collapse. You never really know. Buy low on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Another preseason observation that I had the Chicago Bears, a lot of interesting stuff going on there. Justin Fields. I know we're kind of focusing a lot on the quarterbacks here preseason wise, but obviously that's that's the sexiest part of the preseason, right? Getting, Getting a look at some of these guys. Justin Fields is still concerning me greatly. Uh, he's definitely made some nice plays, but dude is getting absolutely hammered and eaten alive out there. And he has this unbelievable recklessness. Like, it is the kind of recklessness that I have only seen Carson Wentz have, where it's just this it, – He it's not necessarily like he wants to get injured, but it kind of feels like maybe he does, where it's – I think part of what makes Mahomes or Allen, and this is something Mahomes is incredible at, is he knows when to let it go, right? Like when a play's not there, he has no problem stepping out of bounds, uh, throwing it off out of, out of, out into outer space and not having it be a problem. Justin Fields does not have that uh, uh, computational formula running in his brain. He just, it's going to get him. And especially you don't get to be that reckless when you're playing behind whatever travesty of an offensive line the bears are trotting out there he is absolutely doomed and i mean it's not like byron pringle was gonna give him much help anyways but with guys like pringle out and it's 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 looking dark dark in chicago yeah they play in a a pretty rough division too so it's not like they're gonna get any breaks for six games just running into buzz after buzz out there it's just it's not gonna be a good time for them at all Absolutely. All right. Let's talk a little bit about some fantasy football. 
and then let's get out of here. I think that'll be a fun way to end the show here. I know this is a quick one, but I am very tired uh, today. And I, you know, our listeners, you know, they like shorter podcasts as well. So I think this will go up tomorrow morning and I am going to, uh, you know, hope that, that, uh, that everything there goes well. So let's just go around the horn three times each and give some fantasy players we hope to be drafting this season. We all play fantasy football. Uh, we could attract maybe some strategy and some analysis with each of these players. So I'll let you go first, Mason. One player you're really excited to try and draft this year. Uh, so I uh, was perusing some ADPs, and one guy that I think is ripe to be just like the dude and you can get him at like such a good price right now is DeAndre Hopkins. Like I know he had a down year last year, but he spent most of it injured. And then, you know, the MCL tear took him out for the rest of it. And he's obviously going to be gone for the first six games of this year, which I know helps depress his value quite a bit, but every other year outside of that, this guy has been just the beater. It doesn't matter what defense he comes up against he ends up finding a way to beat your guy and come down with the catches come down with a touchdown and score some points so I think I mean I I think the ADP I was looking at is somewhere in the 120 pick range like that's a great value for a dude who could totally win you your playoffs as long as you've got you know the room on your bench if you're getting him third or fourth round like that's that's some good value for a guy who really has put up the numbers in the past yeah, that that that's a good pick right there. I'm going to go a running back myself, and I'm picking in most of my drafts around the number 10 range, uh, kind of out of the – in 12-man leagues, that's kind of a tough spot to pick running backs. But one guy that I'm kind of seeing available around that spot that I'm interested in this year is Saquon Barkley. And I know he's had injury issues over the past few years, but – I'm betting on that not happening this year. And he does, the the reports out of Giants camp have been very promising. It seems like Daniel Jones and the Giants offense has been pretty competent in the preseason. And I think they're going to rely a lot on the short passing game and passes out of the backfield and relying on their running backs. And one of those those guys is going to be uh, Saquon Barkley. So I, I'm really hoping to and excited to uh, go after and try to draft Saquon. That's also a great pick. Um, my my pick is going to be uh, in a little bit of a different vein. Um, it's a wide receiver, and I'm going to be looking at uh, Titans legend, dare I say, uh, Julio Jones, now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that ridiculous offense. Tom Brady, man, uh, that guy. Julio Jones had a rough season. He's had a rough couple seasons. Guy's been injured a lot. He wasn't particularly effective last year. He did have a suspicious amount of big plays called back last year. I can remember two touchdowns off the top of my head. And there was just a couple of times where it's just like the big plays were there. It was just slightly off. He didn't have chemistry with Tannehill, and it, it just wasn't really working out. But how many times do we have to see something play out like this? This guy is going to be in an absolute dream scenario for any wide receiver, which is he's on a team with Tom Brady. 
I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say he's gonna be putting up like 1,200 yards or something like that. But this is a guy that I, you could probably get virtually for free right now. Like people are not high on him. He's barely playing. I think he's lost a lot of his namesake value. People forget. This is still a guy that was one of the best receivers in the league for years and years. And I think he still has a little bit of that juice in you him. You are not trying to hype up Julio Jones right now, are I you? Like, the man oh, cannot I'm with him 100%, man. I got to tell you. I just I'm, disagree. I can't say his juice. help is a Eric, major you're issue. Not, you're not you're, – if he went to any other football team, if he went to any other football team, I would go, yes, Eric J- C. Jensen, you're correct, but no. How many times do you have to watch this happen? You don't understand, okay? You you haven't been traumatized recently enough by this absolute evil wizard, man. Yeah, wizard. Like, I don't got to tell Mason that he's no. a Bills fan. He's suffering. You got to tell me I'm a Chiefs fan. I'm not a Bills fan. I'm a Pats hater. He's a Tom Pats Brady comes hater. Along I'm in the not package. even a Pats hater. I'm just a guy that's been hurt by them once or twice. My goodness, this will work out somehow. I think Julio Jones, if he was going to take his condition any bit serious, his conditioning any bit seriously, it would be with the Buccaneers. It's just the winning culture they have there. The 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 emotions that you feel as a player when Tom Brady's on your team. I the other night I was re-watching a documentary on Super Bowl Fifty One, and the body language of all the Patriots, just knowing that it doesn't matter. It's just. Even if Tom Brady is slightly overrated as a quarterback, his name is not. The power that that name holds is something that I don't think you fully quantify here. And because it would be the ultimate pain to NFL fans and especially Falcon fans, this will play out. Julio Jones will be catching absolute bombs from Tom Brady this NFL season. Draft, you can draft him super late. I haven't taken a peek at ADP. I did not do that for this. But, uh, I imagine it's very low. He did not have a good season. And, you know, all people look at him and it's washed. But how many times do you have to watch this happen? It will work out for Tom Brady. I I just dis- I disagree. Uh, it's just something I, I feel strongly about that I would not touch Julio Jones with 30-foot pool. Now, here's something. Okay. I, w- I would love to see a sandwich. If you go ahead – if I'll you go it, ahead I'll and you take him, on it. if you go ahead and you take him on the waiver wire, that's fine. That's fine. But we're talking about guys we want to draft here in the fairly early to mid rounds, and you're Jones. talking about wanting to draft. If you draft Julio Jones anywhere but the last round in general, you are crazy. I'm drafting Julio Jones in our fantasy league, and I guarantee you he hits like the game-winning touchdown against you in our in our championship. You don't okay. understand, okay? We'll see. Tom oh, I love that. Sends logic. This guy's plot armor is ridiculous. If this were a movie, you'd never believe it in a thousand years. The stuff this guy survives from, the stuff he gets away with. What's your next? Speaking pick? of fun movies, if I could take it on the Tom Brady topic for one second, that Dana White interview where he said he set up Tom Brady and Gronk to go to the Raiders and John Gruden nixed it. Does that not explain the interview that Tom Brady did with LeBron where he was like, oh, you want to keep that motherfucker? He was talking oh. about Derek Carr. Oh, was he talking about? I just assumed it was Jimmy Garoppolo. You would Garoppolo think so. I mean, with that Dana White bombshell that just came out that he had set up the whole Raiders move, you oh would my think God. that's Can probably you, the dude. 
Can you imagine? Or Derek just slandered by Tom Brady oh, taking a missile the Derek on the side. Slander. Eric, um, can you imagine a world where the Raiders have Tom Brady throwing yikes. to Devontae Adams in our division? I quit. I, that's I quit tough. Football fan. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be tough. I'm glad Darren that. Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro. The only thing that helps me sleep at night is that Derek Carr is their quarterback. I like Derek Carr. He's perfectly fine. But, oh, my God, you give the keys to that car to anybody like can, like, do a couple stunts? Oh, oh, I thank goodness for – and I'm – this might be the only time I've ever – I've ever said this. But uh, thank you, John Gruden. You're a you're, – you're a hero. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Dragging it back on topic. Uh, my, my next guy, so – uh, he, he was he's definitely going to be a late round draft. And I know this is going to contradict most of the things that were just said about the Chicago bears, but after watching his sideline interview and knowing that the man has a jugs machine in his freaking basement, <laughs> Darnell Mooney is coming on my team. Woo. I don't care what happens. Otherwise that dude's at least sitting on my bench for a while until I find out if that jugs machine that's sitting in his basement is paying off. Mooney's a guy. Mooney was even great last year. Like this, I I mean, there's not. It's going to be very slim pickings in the in the uh, Bears offense as they have not fully adjusted to like football post World War II yet. But um, I I someone's got to catch some passes. And to, in my opinion, Why it's not him? Cole Komet. Like that's that's about it. Like it's not it's not pretty out there. But why not him? You know. Why not? He's 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 got the profile for it. Like I mean, I I feel like um, once again, Bears offensive players not always the best fantasy bet. But Mooney Mooney is, in my opinion, a lock for at least a thousand yards. You know. Yeah, I I like Darnell Mooney a lot too. I think that's a really smart pick to have. Um, I'm gonna go with. A quarterback who, you know, don't take quarterbacks until like the sixth or seventh round or later. Uh, but a guy that might be sitting there in the seventh or eighth round, Jalen Hurts. Dual threat quarterbacks are all the rage. It's helpful to have someone that can run to get you fantasy points and that can pass. And a lot of people, including me, as we've gotten closer to the season, really think Hurts is going to improve this year as a passer and have a big year. It wouldn't shock me if he finishes as a top five fantasy quarterback. And I, I just think that he's a really smart player to go after. That's kind of my entire draft strategy in my home league this year is I am just going to try to draft an anchor running back and then hope I get Jalen Hurts because having Jalen Hurts would be a, a major boon. I think you can expect somewhere between 20 and 30 fantasy points from him every week. I think I, I agree with you. I think one of the things you can do to tell if somebody is a, an actual like NFL avid watcher or just a fantasy fan is if you ask them where they rank Jalen Hurts against other QBs. Because if you were purely going off fantasy, you would think Jalen Hurts is Lamar Jackson. Like those those rushing stats are absolutely wild. My pick is also a quarterback. And I know you are going to roll your eyes at me about this one, but I promise, I promise I have some logic here. This is a late, late round pick. Jared Goff. Now, I know, I know what you're thinking. Jared Goff. The guy is not good. The Lions have not shown any track record of being good. Jared Goff was not great last year, but he was underratedly pretty solid in a lot of games. And the Lions have added a lot. 
I, I think the Lions just have a good energy going around them. I don't think Jared Goff is going to be putting up elite numbers. But honestly, going into this year and call me crazy, maybe maybe I'll love and I'll, I'll regret it. Maybe I'll attach myself to Jared Goff, and that'll bite me in the ass. But I don't care. I think the Lions are going to be kind of spicy this year. And as a part of that, I think Jared Goff is going to be kind of spicy this year. And I wouldn't mind having him as maybe my utility slot quarterback. This He, he can put up some yards, and I think the touchdowns, they're going to come this year because he's got some absolute lethal weapons out there. The guy they just drafted in the first round. His name is escaping me at this exact second in time, and I don't know why. Jameson Williams. Uh, 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 TJ Hawkinson. Amon Ross St. Brown, who is a sociopath in the best of ways. You listen to quotes from this guy when he talks about preparing for football games. Guy is an absolute psycho, as any good wide receiver should be. I think, uh, I think Jared Goff is going to put up some Kirk Cousins-esque empty stats this year, not necessarily because he's making great plays. Pick him up as a sleeper. You never know. I, I have only one question about your analysis. Have you been watching Hard Knocks? I have not. I, I, I have not watched any of the Hard Knocks. I've been planning okay, on it. Okay, so this is I not just watched... that falling in love thing that happens whenever no, no, somebody no, no, watches no. the Hard Knocks I, before the season. Okay. Avid, listen, my relationship with Jared Goff, I was an absolute Goff hater for years. I couldn't stand watching him in L.A. He drove me crazy. I called him Jared Goof, the goofball. He's going to mess it up for you. But in Detroit... I'll tell you the moment I fell in love with Jared Goff. He almost came back from a 40-point deficit against the 49ers in week one. People forget about that game, but I watched that game. And in that game, I fell in love with Jared Goff because I saw him do something absolutely unbelievable. I mean, even the game, he Jared Goff won the greatest regular season game ever played. Don't forget about that. That Chiefs-Rams game that ended like 54-51, that was Jared Goff. He outdueled Patrick Mahomes that day. This is a guy that I think people hate on too much. And I think that maybe picking up in the late rounds isn't going to hurt you too much. He's not going to win you your league, but I think Goff's got some sauce to him. Eric, do you agree with me on that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it <laughs> seems like a little bit unlikely that Jerry Goff's going to like be a huge producer, but you know, I'm not going to doubt you. I mean, he, he could, he has some nice weapons around him. He could absolutely lead an offense, but I think you might be just falling for the hard knocks lions. I, let's I just not watched hard knocks. I know, year. but let's just say this, like everybody's in love with the lions right now. You're talking about Jerry Goff. Like he is going to be a guy that wins them nine to ten games that's just not gonna happen this year he's not gonna put up that you don't need to win games to win fantasy though that's true but he's still not gonna put up those numbers like but the lions are winning numbers but he's gonna put up fantasy numbers he's gonna put up why would you why would you he's another guy where why would you willingly draft jerry goff when there are just so many better fantasy quarterbacks to draft I'm not saying I'm take him above the majority of other quarterbacks. I'm just saying a lot of people aren't going to even think about it. And I think it's worth consideration that maybe just maybe it might be worth checking it out. I'm Bradford's not saying he's really okay into indie it. fantasy football picks. That's what I'm coming <laughs> to, to realize. He likes the off the, he likes the off the beaten path stuff. Well, because that's if he likes off the beaten path, path. I know we're supposed I, to be talking about 
who we want to draft, but I'm going to tell you who I don't want to draft. That's perfect. That's, Last round. Let's, let's do it. And that's a defense. I don't want to draft a defense. And I'll tell you why. There are a lot of really bad teams floating around out there. Let's talk about the Browns. Let's talk about the Carolina Panthers. Let's talk about the Jets. Let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks. And, oh, hell, you know what? Jameis Winston's the quarterback for the freaking Saints. He's good for a pick or two every game. I think there are so many good abilities to just take a streaming defense this year that you unless you're lucky and you're in like the second to last round and somehow like my bills defense is still sitting there or one of the other you know top five defenses ignore it completely grab yourself some other people and then when week one rolls around figure out what the worst quarterback you could find is and grab that defense that's smart i i i, I agree with that philosophy completely Drafting defenses is almost never worth it because most defenses don't matter at the end of the day. Very few do. My league, I'm so mad at this. My home league just changed their defensive settings. So, but that actually does matter. So if you give up more than like 30 points, you get penalized like four points. Crazy. And, and like sacks are worth two points. It's, it's, I, I don't like it at all. I am not a fan at all. Um, but yes, I, I would agree overall that I would not draft a defense. That seems like a foolish move. Just rapid fire, I'm going to give you some some lower round wide receivers that I, I think are, are there. So if you wanted to load up on running backs early, which is I don't think a bad strategy this year just because of how thin the position is, here are some guys you could get in like the sixth to eighth round that could still be pretty good. Michael Thomas. People have forgotten. I know that there were those reports about a hamstring injury, but it sounds like he's doing okay from that. And those were a little bit over exaggerated. He is a very good wide receiver and him being back fully healthy really does change the way the Saints offense can play. Uh, so Michael Thomas, second year wide receiver. I know AJ Brown is there now and you're going to have some volume issues, but Devonte Smith was very good towards the end of last year, scored a lot of touchdowns and he's going to be a red zone target for Jalen hurts. And I'm pretty high on the Eagles offense as a whole. So go ahead and go after him. Another guy you could get a little bit earlier than the sixth or seventh Allen Robinson. You cannot go wrong drafting Allen Robinson because it just sounds like everyone in Rams country loves Allen Robinson. And I think he's going to be a huge part of the game plan. And then another guy that people might be hesitant of because he had an up and down season last year, but down the stretch, he came on and he's out of Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. Now, Brandon, Ayuk. I think he, he and Trey Lance are going to be the main combination there i'm not saying debo samuels is totally worthless obviously not you should draft debo samuels first but don't be shocked if there are some weeks where brandon Ayuk has better fantasy production because trey lance i believe likes brandon Ayuk as a target deep down the field more than he'll like debo samuels so that is it for me bradford one last fantasy football point from you you can go anywhere here and then let's get out of here I, I think I'm going to go with a bit of a homer pick. Uh, a Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver. Now, I think there's a few there with potentially good value. I think uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling is a guy that, that is the Chiefs clearly think is a, is a deep threat option for Mahomes. And good things happen when you have Patrick Mahomes throwing deep bombs to you. But I'm going to go with Juju Smith-Schuster. I was a massive fan of the signing from day one. Juju has had some absolutely uh, – 
fantastic years in the NFL. And, and I mean, his best years definitely did come with the uh, Antonio Brown taking away a lot of the attention. And initially, my vision was Tyreek Hill and Juju Smith-Schuster, which would be very nice. That's not going to happen anymore. But what is going to happen is Juju is an excellent short-range receiver that Mahomes is going to use as a release valve a lot more than I think people realize. And another thing I think with Juju Smith-Schuster, I think there's a lot of deep ball potential there that he never even had a chance to, to recognize. I know there's been a lot of Steelers trash talking uh, on, on the past few episodes of this podcast, but like, I don't think Juju has been put into a situation to maximize his potential yet until now. And yes, part of that is hurt because obviously Tyreek is no longer around, but you know, if uh, in an offense with so many different options that are pretty good, uh, if not elite, like Kelsey, uh, MVS, uh, Sky Moore, uh, Jay Watson, like these guys are going to create enough uh, uh, disparity that I think Juju is going to eat. And I genuinely see him putting up upwards of 1,300 yards this year. I'm not sure how many touchdowns, but he is going to eat so much of the Chiefs' short yardage passing. This is a guy that is absolute money. And I think. Uh, the whole TikTok memes and all that have, have hurt his his fantasy value to a ridiculous amount where people kind of look at him as, uh, he's a joke right now, but he's going to put up some good numbers. don't have any concern that he's going to run into Pat Mahomes' brother and then they're going right. to have some weird TikTok connection and that's just going to... I have chosen to completely block out Jackson Mahomes as an entity. I do not acknowledge him. <laughs> I, I do not spend my time uh, considering him as as a factor that I don't think – see, people talk a lot about the family element being a distraction for Mahomes. I don't necessarily think that's the case, but I do have this conspiracy – that is not really a conspiracy. But I do genuinely believe Mahomes having his first child genuinely a factor in the struggles that he had last year. Like, I, it's just a feeling that I had, but if you, you can kind of time it up to when uh, – uh, I can't remember his daughter's name. Sterling Sterling Mahomes was born. A lot of the struggles were there. I'm not saying it's the baby's fault. And I'm not saying like I'm it's not like Sounds like you're saying before. it's the baby's fault, though. As, as a man I'm with a child, where's your where's your heart you, really at, Patrick? Your brain ain't in it anymore when there's right. like a small child screaming in your house and not letting you sleep appropriately. Absolutely. So. Man's not getting the sleep that he needs. His mind's obviously in other places. Like, and listen, I'm not, I'm, I'm not dissing Sterling Mahomes over here. I'm sure she's a perfectly adequate baby, but adequate, <laughs> adequate. <laughs> this man what? just called a child, a living, breathing child, adequate. I, I, I just wonder. Stop if that's talking, Bradford. It was just as long as they cry and poop. That feels adequate. I, I would... yeah, I think. I think from what you could expect from a baby going into this next season, Sterling Mahomes will provide an authentic experience. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that was a factor last year. I don't know how we ended up on this rabbit trail here, but uh, as long as we're uh, certain it's not a fake baby that he's just parading around to. Perhaps. Well, I, you know, I just watched the Monty Teo documentary earlier oh today. My God, tragic, so... right? Like how? In, un unbelievable. I, just so tragic. So like what a what an all-time likable character that guy is. I feel yeah. so so bad for what he went. Like such a ridiculous story. Like it's so thematically cohesive. It feels scripted, right? Like the 
the undertone of um you know uh the identity crisis that um uh the, the person that I, I i can't remember the name off the top of my head but the, oh, the, but the, the catfisher the catfisher right the identity crisis that they were going through turning into destroying monte teo's identity is such a sadly poetic twist you know what i mean it's just a heartbreaking man and i also i want to say this right now those little gremlin reporter guys i want a bunch of clown like i i did not enjoy them whatsoever like just no. what a bunch of worms and I, I thought the guy consistently portraying is like i'm just trying to take down espn shut up no like, shut up who do you think you are like i can see right through the the cheeto stay like you're, you're nothing man just all right what what a rant to end the podcast well, at least we didn't get on the chargers yeah. yeah justice for teo he, but we did do a whole episode uh, without a Chargers. Want, I'm sure Eric would love to talk about the Chargers for a couple. Of he he always <laughs> seems to bring them up to get me going. No, I, I I think we can leave this episode full of Chargers free talk. But uh, I appreciate both of you for joining me. Thank you so much. I, I apologize for being kind of out of it. It's been a little bit of a stressful night here in Salt Lake City, Utah, with some things outside of the podcast world that I'm dealing with. So thank you very much for carrying the show. I appreciate you both. And we will see you all next time. Follow us on Twitter at EndZonePod. Follow Bradford on Twitter at ThereIsNoCult. Uh, and uh, Mason, I'll give you a chance to, again, plug something. You can go anywhere you want, random, wh whatever you want to say. You you told us about Emu Wars last time. Yeah, no, the Emu Wars. They were they were good times. Ah, oh, man. Well, um, actually, just a, a fun little bit of history about my area, uh, something a lot of people don't tend to know. So, um during the prohibition area, everybody loves to talk about, you know, the Chicago area, Al Capone, all of that stuff and how much bootlegging and stuff got done there. Little known fact, uh, Buffalo area had an extremely prevalent mafia presence that was, again, very, very into bootlegging, dragging stuff across Canada. Uh, there was a couple people I knew before who were related to some of them and were looking to produce uh, some different either podcasts or documentaries and and there's all sorts of different information out there books stuff like that and it's all well worth a read it's very very interesting um again how much got away with in in the buffalo area uh just because again it's just right across from canada right there it's a little bit of a you know not a big city but a big enough city where you know you can get away and, and uh not be noticed too often and uh you know new york city's right there it's very cool history very worth looking into i'm curious if there's, if there's if there's some sort of name connection there with bill's mafia that developed uh, as a result of that no um bill's mafia actually um not to get too much into that history lesson that was more of a more of a like an organic twitter thing that happened hmm. uh, there's a guy in our area owns a small company called 26 shirts named del reed and uh he he's the guy who i think a lot of people typically credit with uh the creation Mob, the of bills, bills mafia, mafia aesthetic like that. I, I will say about buffalo uh i i have always felt a kinship with buffalo being a canadian myself i think you guys are essentially glorified canadian oh we are man we, I mean, the way, we the way definitely i think identify a lot more with ontario yeah, yeah. You you guys are, are essentially a Canadian city displaced in the Americas, which I think is, is an interesting dynamic. Anyways, I can see Eric has had enough of my shenanigans for today. Timmy so, goes in hockey, it, man. Yeah, no, we're on the same page. It was it was delightful to, to meet you and, and your mustache. You uh, as well, Brad. 
I, I hope I hope you all take care and that the, the universe brings good things your way. Not necessarily in the form of the Bills beating the Chiefs in the playoffs, but outside of that, I hope you find your life of joy. Alright. Thank you both so much for joining me. This has been a blast per usual. We will see Bye-bye. you all next time. Peace out. Good.